tonight and turn to Luke chapter 5. And I'll tell you what, I love that music. I love it. Uh, I grew up in Iowa, north of the Mason-Dixon line. I understand that. I spent a lot of time in California in the military and then our first uh, place of ministry. I was associate pastor in a growing church out there. And uh, we moved to Alabama to Mobile 22 years ago. And only God's providence can move the pieces around and move uh, his uh, servants around in that way. I remember my wife and I and our family, our kids would be out knocking on doors. And uh, the first thing we heard for about the first month was, you're not from around here, are you? And I said, no, but we're trying to get acclimated. Uh, I was mentioning to Brother Steve after church this morning, I love the bass uh, guitar playing with the piano. And he said, hey, wait till tonight. They're going to get the doghouse out. And it blew my mind. I didn't even know what he was talking about, but I liked it. I said, I don't know what it is, but I like it. I can't wait to hear it. And he said, that's an upright bass. I said, man, I like that too. I said, just get you a couple subwoofers out here, man, and we'll be good to go. I love it. And uh, I, I feel like in some ways... I'm an honorary North Carolinian because now I know what a doghouse is, and I have uh, been exposed to Stan's pimento cheese, all right? I got some of that, and so I'm feeling good about tonight. I'm ready to preach tonight. I want to tell you, I appreciate your pastor and his wife, and they are friends, and, and preachers in ministry need friends, and we need friends that... Um, that are, their churches are doing well, and, and when we get together, it's just uh, talking about family and talking about ideas and talking about God's Word and, and appreciate Him. I appreciate all of the hospitality, uh, your friendliness, your kindness uh, reminds us of back home. This is much like our church back home. Uh, maybe it's like our church back home, but it's on steroids here a little bit, and uh, we love that. I appreciate that. Uh, Brother Pope has preached at our place, so we have him scheduled to come back. And after just one time, I think he's our church, he's many in our church's favorite preacher that comes through. And so you are blessed, and you know that, and uh, we sure love uh, this church here, have a renewed uh, love and appreciation. Look at Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. We'll stay seated tonight. I'm going to kind of read and just uh, make some commentary on it and then uh, give you a few points. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going to see a problem uh, here in the first probably three quarters of the message. And there's not really a good answer at the end, but it's the only answer that the Lord gives us. And so we'll look at that together. Look at verse 1 of Luke 5. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesarat. And I think this is, this is what happens anytime a church gets, uh, gets uh, committed and faithfully preaching the word of God. It draws a crowd. Uh, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. We saw that this morning, a, a church where God's word is preached and in all the Sunday school classes, God's word is taught. Uh, people are going to come. People are hungry. They want to hear, uh, thus saith the Lord. And so we, we have to keep the word of God primary in all of our teaching and all of our preaching because it's God's word that has the power to save. It's God's word that changes lives. So many wanted to hear 
Jesus teach God's word. Uh, think about that for a minute. The word is teaching the word. And they wanted to come see what this was all about and hear about it. Uh, so many wanted to that it created a problem. Now, it's a good problem. Having the kind of crowd that you had this morning is a good problem. Uh, having to figure out and be, uh, be innovative about where are we going to put our children's ministries and what are we going to do with all the people that want to hear God's word, it's a problem, uh, but it's a, it's a good problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. And there are a lot of problems. We started our church 22 years ago. We had eight folks and on any given Sunday after 22 years, we'll have uh, right around 800. And through those years, there have been problems. A growing church has to overcome. And you have experienced that. You are experiencing that. Uh, there are financial challenges, trying to meet the needs of everyone, trying to uh, figure out uh, how to finance getting the gospel out. There are building challenges, and you know all about that and what a beautiful facility God has given you. And it's only, uh, you look back and you can just see God's hand, his providence, his goodness, his provision every step of the way. And what a, what a wonderful opportunity you have here. There are people problems in a growing church, as a church uh, grows, it has to adjust, it has to change some things to be more effective. And we know Baptist people don't always do well with change. And the, the one thing we can learn from Jesus here is that he was a never afraid to change things up. He was never afraid to maybe try something a little different uh, that in order to get people uh, the gospel and and we see that. Uh, I have a beatitude. I have tried to teach our folks through these 22 years, and it goes like this. Blessed are the flexible. All right, that's the first part. For they shall never be bent out of shape. And so if we'll just stay flexible as the church is growing, as we're meeting challenges, as we have to adjust some things, if we'll just be flexible. I like the brother over here sitting in front of us. He was sitting there this morning. I said, so this must be your seat. And he said, oh, no, I'm just sitting here, but we gladly give our seat to guests. Hey, you've got to be flexible. When God brings people, give them the best seats and give them the best uh, opportunity. And so we see some problems here. And by the way, when I say flexible. We're not talking obviously about our doctrine, about the King James Bible, but over a dec over a ministry of decades, we have to be willing to make adjustments. Now here, Jesus was innovative. He was creative a little bit in solving these problems. Look at verses two and three. And so Jesus saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And so here he had a problem. Uh, a lot of people wanted to hear what he had to say, wanted to hear about the word. He found a solution for that problem. We have to always be, what well, leaders have to always be looking for solutions. And it can't just be the pastor that has all the solutions. We need leaders in every area. And Jesus here did something that may not have ever been done before. He saw a boat. He got in the boat. He pushed off a little bit from shore. He would have been a little bit above the people. They could have seen him better. His voice projected better, and he taught God's word to them. I think sometimes we just give up too easily 
in a growing ministry. Sometimes we, if it doesn't come easy, we just kind of give up and we just kind of, uh, kind of don't persevere. And one of the things we need to learn is how to persevere. I think we give up oftentimes right before the blessing comes. I think we do that in prayer. I think we do that personally. I love Galatians 6, 9. The Bible says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Hey, just continue on. Just keep doing well. Uh, Don't be weary. Why? For in due season, we shall reap. Uh, in due season is God's timing. How many understand he does, he's not bound by time like we are? In fact, he's always on time. He's never late. Uh, we get impatient. Oh, we just want it to happen right now. God doesn't operate like that. Every time he comes through, it's the right time. Sometimes it's at the midnight hour like Abraham on the mountain with Isaac there, but he always comes through. For in due season, in his timing, we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up, if we don't throw in the towel. And so we see that here. Then Jesus turned his attention to Peter. Look at verses four and five. And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And so Peter had graciously allowed the Lord to preach from his boat. And I think Jesus wanted to do something for him, for his willingness, his his uh, humility to serve. And I think God always blesses his servants who are serving. I think he sees what you do. He sees the commitments you make. He sees uh, how, how you give of your time and how you give of your talent and how you give of your treasure. I love Hebrews 6.10. The Bible says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. If God did not bless us, he would be unrighteous, and he made it very clear, he is not unrighteous. He will not forget, he sees it, and in his timing, he will bless it. Now, Peter said to the Lord, hey, we've worked all night at this thing, and we haven't caught a single fish. Uh, we've worked at it. And these weren't rookie fishermen either. They knew where the fish should be and they knew how to do this. But on this night, for whatever reason, they worked at it all night and came back in with nothing but dirty nets. And Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep. Now, sometimes it's hard to launch out into the deep. Personally, collectively as a church and ministry. Sometimes it's hard to launch out into the deep when our confidence is shot. Uh, Maybe we've tried some things. They haven't all worked out the way that we wanted to. Sometimes it's hard to launch out when you've just failed by fishing all night and come back in with nothing, but the deep is still where the best fishing is. Hey, the deep is still where we have to go. Uh, Whether the last time we did, it worked out the way we thought it would or not, we've still got to launch out. And now more than ever, we need to be willing to get back out in the deep waters. Now, here's the thought for Calvary Baptist Church tonight. 
I don't know about you, and I see this in this place. You, you believe in fishing effectively. And here's what Jesus is going to teach a lesson uh, to Peter and James and John and Andrew. I want to minister effectively for the cause of Christ. I like the term uh, work smarter, uh, not harder. And I think when we work according to God's word, our efforts uh, bear fruit. I think that I, I think we look at things and we try to figure out how to do God's work in his power, in his way, to have as little wasted energy and activity as possible. How many understand there's a difference between effectiveness in ministry and just activity uh, for activity's sake? And we want God to bless our ministry. Uh, we want to get better at what we do. We want to grow and improve. And I've heard that as a theme, both in our meeting yesterday and throughout the day. And, and growth and improvement in ministry is a lifelong learning and growing process. We have a deacon at our church that's in his 70s. He's retired. He has been a bus captain in Baptist churches for over 45 years, 20 of those years at our place, and, uh, and he still is, goes out every week, visits little boys and girls, brings them uh, to a Bible club on a bus route. He still listens to a bus director that's probably half his age, and he's still learning how to do ministry better, and that's what we want to do if we want to be effective. Now, look at uh, verse number six. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. So they launched out into the deep and couldn't contain the load of fish they caught that morning. That's effective fishing. Now, I want to pray, and then I want to give us three very quick lessons about this passage as it relates to us. It relates to Lighthouse Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. It relates to Calvary Baptist Church here. And, and in the lessons, it creates a problem. And then at the end, I want to give you what the solution is uh, that we see here in Scripture. Let's pray together. Father, help us tonight. Help us like only you can. Teach us, instruct us, encourage us, challenge us. Uh, Lord, we want to lift you up your word. We want uh, to lift you up, and we want people to hear uh, the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to go out and launch out into the deep with you. And Father, we want to see uh, fish uh, brought in, men and women and boys and girls brought in for your honor and for your glory. Help us like only you can, in Jesus' name, amen. So if we're gonna fish or minister effectively, Number one, it takes obedience to God's word. Look back at verse number five where uh, Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And so at thy word. Now we can see Peter's lack of faith a little bit, even though he was obeying. If you go back to verse four, Jesus' command was to put down thy nets, plural. But we see Peter, he obeyed, maybe a little out of a lack of faith. He only put down one net. He obeyed nonetheless, might have been a little half-heartedly, but he obeyed. I believe this. I believe Jesus intended to give them as many fish as they had faith to put down nets. I think sometimes we just limit what the Lord wants to do by our lack of faith. I think by our unwillingness to launch out into the deep to put down many nets, I think he's just 
just shaking his head saying, man, I'll, I'll bless you for this, but I'd like to do so much more. And that's the case here with Peter. Uh, he, he did not uh, lay down all the nets uh, and there's no telling what God would do. Notice what he said, nevertheless, at thy word will do it. And if we're doing whatever we do according to the word of God, it's going to be effective. Hey, let me just tell you, parents, parenting according to the word of God is effective. It works. It just, it works in this day. It worked 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's going to work in the future. Now, it won't be popular. It won't be culturally maybe accepted, biblical uh, parenting, but it works. Uh, personal finances according to his word is effective. It, it absolutely is. Uh, we give. We, we're generous. We put the Lord first in our tithes and offerings. We, we, we give and we're generous and God will bless. Uh, by the way, effective fishing takes obedience to God's word. It's the only promise we have of success. Take your Bibles, or, or we'll, I'll look there, Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. Keep your spot here in Luke, certainly. But the Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. As we obey the word, as we minister according to the word, uh, we're going to experience good success. So number one, it takes obedience to God's word, and you have that here. Number two, it takes humility. Look back at verse five. I, I mentioned earlier that Peter and Andrew weren't rookie fishermen. In fact, they weren't first-time fishermen. They were hardened veterans, and it would have been very easy for them to say to the Lord, what does a carpenter, what does a carpenter's son know about our livelihood? But here we see Peter's humility. His response in verse five was, well, Lord, here's what we've tried, but nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do what you say. Now, let me say this to a wonderful church uh, with a, a lot of wonderful uh, workers and servants of the Lord. Humility helps us to fish more effectively or to serve more effectively. Why is that? Because when we're humble, nobody cares who gets credit for anything. We all want the Lord to get all the credit. Uh, when we're humble, by the way, uh, James and 1 Peter both are very clear. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. When God gives grace to his servants, I picture it like a, like a, a fresh wind in the sails of whatever endeavor we're undertaking for the Lord Jesus Christ as he, as he leads us out into the deep and we obey at his word and we're humble and we're working together in humility. We have the wind of God, the breath of God, the power, the grace of God blowing in the sails of our ministry life and, and he helps us and he, and he enables us and he empowers us. But when pride gets into the equation, we face not the wind in our sails, but we face a strong headwind of resistance. By the way, the Bible's very clear. Look at James chapter four and verse six. The Bible says, but he giveth more grace. Aren't you glad for his grace? You know, grace, uh, grace, there's a lot to grace. Uh, grace is not just that we're saved by grace through faith. Grace enables us to do ministry. Grace motivates us. Grace helps us to have the want to. There's a lot to grace. And he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. 
Boy, you let pride enter into ministry. You let pride enter in uh, to our interactions together and it will be like hitting a brick wall. The blessing will stop. It'll, it won't come as easy anymore. It won't, you won't have the, the breath of God at your back, but he giveth grace unto the humble. And Peter obeyed God's word and humbly put down his net. And then lastly, fishing. Lastly, and then I'm going to give you the answer to, these, to this problem here. Fishing or ministering effectively takes obedience to his word. It takes humility. And lastly, it takes teamwork. And I love the leadership meeting yesterday because here they had caught so many fish that their net broke and they called, notice the word uh, there in verse, oh, let me see, in verse seven, and they beckoned unto their partners. Notice that, I like that, I like that. This was a completely different fishing operation. Probably, probably James and John, Peter and Andrew had their family business. James and John had their uh, family business. And, uh, and Peter and Andrew had so many fish, they couldn't get it in. And they called their partners. Uh, they weren't competitors. They didn't view themselves as competitors. They didn't view themselves in competition. Sometimes if we're not careful, and in business it's like this, we, we think there's only so much to go around, so we've got to get ours uh, no matter what it takes, no matter who we have to step on. You know, in God's work, it's not like that. There's plenty to go around for everybody. It's not like the, the, the sweet potato pie at Thanksgiving that only has so much, and when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, God's grace and God's blessing and God's provision is unlimited. There's enough for me, and there's enough for you. There's enough for you to get all you want. And there's still enough for me. And so we don't have to be competitors uh, in ministry. We can be, I like this word, collaborators or co-laborers. We can be partners in this thing. We can work together in this thing. I believe this, even though I, I think Calvary and Lighthouse are partners in ministry in that we're both trying to get the same thing done. Uh, we're encouraging each other. We're trying to be a blessing to each other. We support a lot of the same missionaries and we're working at this together. I like this because the Bible, I, I think they knew, even though they own two separate fishing enterprises, they knew from time to time they would both need help from the other. And so when the other called, they were there, they were ready, they were available, they dropped what they were doing uh, so that they could help their partners. The Bible says they came and helped them. I love that because God's work is teamwork and reaching the world with the gospel is teamwork. Missionaries cannot stay on the field without the teamwork of a local church and of believers, generous believers, giving of their uh, resources to missions so that they can, be, uh, they can be compensated, they can be helped, they can be kept on the field. I, I like what Paul said. Paul couldn't do what he did without many helping him along the way. In fact, turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 16 and verse 3. I love this. He said, greet Priscilla and Aquila, that wonderful husband and wife team that helped him uh, so many times in ministry. Look how, he, look how he addressed them or how he described them. He said, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. 
You know, there is no greater title, there is no greater description in ministry, there's no greater role than to just be a helper in Christ Jesus. That's all I am. Hey, what's your job title? It's just a helper in Christ Jesus. No, what's, what's, your, what's your ministry, uh, what's your job description? I'm just, a, I'm just a helper in Christ Jesus. I remember in the early days of our church, Brother Steve, folks from that had been in church for a while would come and, man... Back in the days when there were only 30 or 40 or 50 of us, we were just getting the ball rolling. Back in those days, our, our family Saturday evening activity was to come down to the church house and clean the bathrooms and set the pews up and, and set the books out and all of that. And we'd have people come in and say, hey, I, I, I would come here if you'd let me be the adult Sunday school teacher, if you'd let me be the music leader. And I said, hey, how about just coming and being a helper of Jesus Christ? How about just coming and helping mow the yard so that we can get out soul winning more? How about just coming and helping us set up on Saturday night so that we can get out and soul win more? I love it when God's people have that idea that I'm just a helper, a spirit of cooperation, a spirit of unity, a desire to serve and to help. Hey, when God puts, when God puts together his team, there are no big shots. There are just servants. There are just helpers of Christ Jesus. Jesus. I love the way Paul described Titus to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8.23. He said, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner. Now, I know your pastor feels that way about you. you we're, we're, this is a partnership. We're in this together. There, there's no, uh, and I know God places the, the under shepherd over the church, and I know uh, he has a biblical office and position, but we don't feel that way about it. We, we, we feel like this is a partnership. We're in this together. I like what he said. He said, and fellow helper concerning you. He is helping me minister to you. Uh, he is helping me. Uh, I love that. He said, he's my partner and fellow helper. Sometimes we get too concerned about who's underneath us on the ministry flow chart or on the ministry organizational chart. And I think we just need to throw that out and it might have its, its place in certain areas. But, but as far as what we're doing, we're just a helper and a partner and we're just helping. Who answers to us? We get hung up on. Paul wasn't. He viewed Titus as a partner. Another thing I've noticed among church workers is often we see too much competition between ministries or between classes, almost again that battle over resources. And I know in a ministry, there's a finite budget, there are finite resources as far as what we have available. But I want to tell you something, we're serving a God and this is his ministry and he's got unlimited resources that he can give to us to fund the ministry. And so I love that. We're not competitors, we're co-laborers. And to do this, everyone sets aside their personal agendas you know, we all have issues. We all have, pro we all have a past, amen? We all, we're all dragging a past with us through life. I got saved at 18. My parents had gotten divorced at the worst time in the life of a teenager when I was in eighth grade, going into ninth grade. And man, just, just turned my world upside down. And, uh, and that, that baggage that came along with that still kind of follows me through life. And I have to catch myself every now and then in reactions or the way I think about things or the way I respond to things. And I can see that that still has an effect. And so we all have that. But we set it aside 
and we serve the Lord together as partners. Now, when we obey God's word and when we approach it humbly and when we work together, here's the problem. Go go back to verses six and seven of Luke chapter five and see the results. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. I mean, Lord, we're doing what you told us and we can't even, we've ruined our net. We can't even get it up in. We're gonna call our partners. We're doing everything we can. It goes on to say, I think in verse seven, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they both began to sink. I mean, here's an issue. This is a problem. And sometimes this is what a problem, this is what a growing church has to deal with. Uh, We're busting at the seams Uh, this morning. We're busting at the seams. They had such great success that it created other problems. It pushed them to the brink of what they could handle. And often God's blessings bring a whole other set of challenges as people are getting saved. God's doing what we've asked him to do and and he's he's blessing that as people get saved. We need more helpers. We need more servants to minister to them. We need more space to hold them and more teachers to teach them. And the process begins all over again only on a larger scale. And uh, we just have to get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do and just try to keep up with it. That's where Calvary is tonight. I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, you have done these things. You're doing these things. God, has, God is filling your nets to where uh, there's a whole nother set of problems uh, that you had two years ago, meeting over across the street and, and then moving to this nice facility. And now, now our ship is overloaded. We've obeyed his word. You launched out in the deep. You've put down your nets. You're serving humbly. I I don't sense any big shots around here. And there are some big shots here. Uh, you just don't know it. God knows it, and, uh, but, uh, but we're serving humbly, and then we're working together, and your nets are full, and there's only two things you can do. Look at verse 10. And so, th- th- by the way, there's no, I don't have an answer for you tonight except these two things. Look at verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And so the first thing you can do is you can't worry about it. You can't be afraid of what God wants to do. You can't be afraid of what the future holds. You can't be fearful uh, about, well, maybe we should just scale back. Maybe we should just, uh, we should just, just scale back in and, and bring the outreach back and not do as much. No, you can't be fearful. Hey, just because we don't know what God's going to do in the future, he knows and he has a plan and all we have to do is continue on trusting him, keeping our eyes on him and patiently wait for him to reveal that plan. And so number one, we fear not. Number two, look at verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and what are those next two words? Followed him. That's all we can do. We cannot be fearful about the future. We can't worry about all the finances it's going to take. To, you know how much it will take in today's economy to build a bigger building, an auditorium? I'm learning that because we're trying to build one for our Spanish uh, ministry. And it is, it is absolutely scary. But the Bible says, look, I'm in control. The Lord says, I've got this hand. I'm leading you. I've asked you to launch out into the deep. Just trust me. Don't be afraid. I'm 
going to provide in my timing. And, and so we just, we fear not. And then secondly, we follow him. Our job's to keep following. I love the song, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. I don't have to carry all the burden of how's this all going to work out. I've got a big meeting Tuesday night with about 40 men of our church and we've got our English deacons, our Spanish deacons. We've got builders in our English and builders in our Spanish. I've got to meet with that group of men with our architect and try to, try to chart a path forward. That's going to be, I'm already having a headache trying to think about how we're going to do this, but I'm not going to worry about it because the Lord had just said, hey, fear not and just follow me and he knows what to do. Let's go back to Galatians 6, 9. Be not weary in well-doing. Say, preacher, what do we do? We're just not going to worry about it. We're going to keep on doing what we're doing because in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Let's pray tonight. Father, we do thank you. We love you. We're grateful for your love for us. And Lord, we thank you for the times that you lead us beyond where we think we can go. And Lord, when we get there, that's just, that's just the beginning. And you've got other ideas and other plans. And Lord, in your love and in your graciousness and in your kindness and goodness, you don't show it all to us at one point. Uh, you just ask us to, to fear not and follow me. Fear not and follow me. Follow me into the future. Follow me into what's next. Follow me into the next chapter of Calvary Baptist Church. Follow me. I like what Paul said. He said to the folks that he ministered to, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm following Christ. Your pastor's following Christ. And we're just following him. Father, bless like only you can. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, let's bow our heads tonight. Let's stand all around the house. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and uh, boy, you know, sometimes I think God, it's amazing how God works, that God sends in just what we need to hear. And I believe He's done that tonight. I believe we heard a personal word just for the Calvary Baptist Church. Maybe tonight God's been leading you in a certain direction or a certain area. And tonight you just say, you know what? I don't understand all of it, but I'm just going to trust. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to follow. And if that's you and you need to come, listen, the altars are open tonight just for a few moments. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Oh, listen, we would love to take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. So we'll pause just for a moment while Brother Abel plays. If you need to come, just slip out. Won't you slip out right now and come? Maybe there's someone here tonight that needs to rededicate their life to Christ. Maybe you've been walking a little far from the Lord. Tonight you need to just get back up close to the Savior. And so we'll pause just for, just for a few moments tonight. Listen, if you're here and you need prayer, we're going to be here just for a moment, all right? And so I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if we can pray with you, if we can help you, we're here tonight while you wait.